Welcome back, folks. It's episode 20. I'll grieve you with this. I'm the host, Michael Walsh. And on today's episode is a conversation that I had with Lucas Arnold, a really funny comedian, nice guy. I really enjoyed talking with him. I hope you enjoy listening to it. This is episode 20, Lucas Arnold. Lucas Arnold, thanks for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank yeah. you for having me here. Yeah, yeah, of course. A year in the making. Oh uh, yeah. Yes. I apologize. <laughs> you, you can you can put me on blast for that. You can. You, it's okay. Yeah. For the listeners at home, I asked Lucas to do this uh, via Instagram, and then I waited a, a year, and I asked you to do it in person, and you were like, "Yeah, of course." <laughs> So I'm neglectful. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I didn't mean yeah. to. Get, we'll, we'll edit this out. I didn't know how to start. It, it's honestly okay <laughs> if you don't. I, I really don't. I truly don't mind. I, I deserve it. Yeah, that's fine. Well, you're here now. Um, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Lucas Arnold, comedian extraordinaire. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, it's always fun trying to, once, once we get going, it usually seems to be all right, but yeah. starting the conversation. It's an awkward start. Yeah. It's, yeah. But anyway, you got dead people in your life. I do. And I want to know about them. Before we do that, mm-hmm. just the jump off point, would you mind telling me and my audience just, uh, your comedic background, where you're from, where you're at, and then. Yeah, sure. Uh, so where I'm from, uh, born and raised in Brooklyn. I uh, went to college in Illinois and then immediately came back here. I did not start comedy in college. I started when I was 24. Um, and a lot of my influences, like when I was little, was like George Carlin. Sure. Uh, I'm going to be honest, Louis C.K. was huge for me oh. as a teenager. Like yeah, just all of his special. I just like, obviously, like recently. I love him more. No, it's, it's but, uh, strange. I only recently got into him after yeah, you know, I saw this New York Times. I don't even article. care about his comedy as much. I just like who he is as a yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. I think you know? he's a good father. Yeah. Um, no, but um, let me see other, but other influences. Uh, big fan of Norm Macdonald, Patton Oswalt, uh, sure. Ali Wong, or just anything like wacky, but also storytelling. I, I'm a big fan of storytelling, and I try to incorporate a lot of that in my standup. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like comedy journey i started like doing stand-up a little bit before the pandemic and then the pandy hit and then i started the pandy the pandy well that's gonna be the first edit <laughs> no i'm kidding the pandy hit and the pandy hit and uh and uh, i was like all right i can't do stand-up so i'll start making videos online because i was recommended it and now that's kind of my full-time thing yeah, so like you're a relative newcomer to comedy, but you certainly seem to have built an audience. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, but it, I will admit it is sometimes difficult to get to get that to translate to like live tickets. Sure. Yeah. Um, I suppose the internet format is nice because you can do a minute long video and then you're done with it. Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, so. Tell me this, but mm-hmm. we'll do a little more comedy workshop before we get into it. But did yeah, you, yeah, sure. you started, uh, did you initially do videos first and then go on stage or the other way around? No, no, I did stand up a little bit before the pandemic and then I started oh, right. making videos in the pandemic. Right. Yeah. And now you're here. And now I'm here. And the pandemic's completely over. And now my career's over. Yeah, yeah. It's Well, that's why you responded to my booking. It took a year. Yeah. It took a year. <laughs> no. The availability opened up. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, is there anything I didn't cover in terms of the journey goes? No, that's it. I think okay. biography complete. Cool. Tell me about your dead father. <laughs> All right, my dead father. So, um, sorry. Got- actually, let me give you a little bit more of a, a question that's not so open ended. Okay. Okay. Um, we're both members of the Dead Dad Club, and we're both kind of recent inductees, mm. if I'm not mistaken. How recent did you? Dad- I'm coming up on four years. Four so not, years. Not okay. super recent. Okay. But I believe yours is. A little more recent. My dad died uh, May 8th, 2021. Okay. Yeah, so it's two and a half years, a little, yeah. you know, two, two and some change. Just, just, yeah, just over two years since uh, he died. Before we get into how he died, do you want to tell me about who he was and his sense of humor, if you don't mind? Or did oh, wow. he have one? Oh, no, he definitely had a sense of humor. He, um, he loved jokes. He was, was an interesting thing, like, uh, after he died, I went to my dentist, who's like the dentist I've had my whole life. He saw my whole family. And uh, he told me that back in the day, my dad would not allow an appointment to start until he got done telling our dentist a joke that he had heard and that he just had to share. Wow. And that it, <clears throat> my dentist would be like, no, no, no. We can. And he's like, no, no, no. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. I got to tell more. <laughs> yeah. yeah my, he would be like, all right. And I was like, this is actually quite cute. I was, I was, that was a really nice thing. Um, my dad was a, he was a freelance book editor. Okay. Uh, but he had like a very long and storied life before he met my mom and had me. Like my dad was 51 when I was born. Oh, wow. And so we had a very full life where he like, uh, I think like just before he went to college, he went to live on a kibbutz in Israel. And uh, What's a at- kibbutz? It's a it's a little sort of con- it's a hippy dippy Jewish commune where oh. you like build stuff, you farm, and it's like sort of like communist. Sure. Um, and uh, he did that. He went to college for anthropology, I think, and he did archaeology for a while. Uh, he nearly died on one archaeological dig. He told me that he found a flute that was 6,000 years old, and he was the first person to play it in 6,000 years. He played it? Yeah. I don't think you're supposed to do that as an archaeologist. Yeah, well, (laughs) rules don't apply to Carl. Okay, Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. But, uh... No, my so, my dad was my dad was very gifted musically. He could pick up almost any in- instrument and get a tune out of it. Wow! He could he taught himself how to play guitar. He was he was really good musically. Sure. Um, but yeah, he he was a traveling musician for a while. He did like theater here and there in New York in like the seventies and eighties. Wow! Um, sort of a jack of all trades. Yeah. He also I. I got to like record this story before he died, which I was really happy that I was able to. But he, um, he once sort of was a spy. Oh, for like a people. elaborate on that, please. It, back when Czechoslovakia was still a country, sure. And he was trying to transport documents, and he knew that someone was following him, and so he dipped into a cafe and flushed the documents down the toilet to protect the people that he was transporting to. Wow. This was just one of his gigs. Yeah. <laughs> he just, in between road gigs, he was also a spy. He just, he just did a lot. Okay. He, he <clears throat> where was he from? What was his story? He grew up in Nutley, New Jersey. Okay. Born in Manhattan, uh, like lived in New York until he was like four. And then like majority of his childhood, he grew up in Nutley, New Jersey. And he, I think he really hated suburban life and he was just waiting to spring loose. Sure. He absolutely hated like that sort of like very 
boring but safe suburban American like yeah, way of yeah, life. That, yeah. that rhythm. Strip he mall, just, stri- he just white picket fence. That was not him. He wanted to see the world. He wanted to explore. He had a lot of energy. He really. My dad was very intense workaholic. Couldn't sure. it, someone who could not sit still, and he was very depressed for a point in my childhood where he. <clears throat> He lost his job, and then for three years he was just sat at his computer, just trying to figure out how to get a new one. And he's just—he went into a very dark space. Sure. Um, uh, what was he doing when you came into the picture? Uh, I think he was doing some sort of editing, some for somewhere. He was working, like most of my childhood. Um, I don't know actually where his job was um, when I was born. But somewhere in the Sounds city. like it could have been anywhere. Yeah, it could have been anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Archaeologist, musician, spy. Definitely was like in the world of like uh, editing books and articles and columns and stuff. Just like, like freelance uh, literary editing. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Sounds like a, a good man. Can you tell yeah. me about um, how he passed? Yeah. Um, he got diagnosed with cancer. Stage four colon cancer. Uh, in December, yeah, in December of 2020, and then he died uh, May following year. So about so a like, year and a half. No, six months. Oh wow! No, it was like December of 2020. Yeah, yeah, no, that dies May 2021. So like six months or so. That's insanely uh, a fast time for yeah, that to happen. Very very fast. And what made it really difficult was that um, this is <clears throat> this is going to be a very I'm going to try to say this as briefly as possible. So when Take I was around, when I was around like four or five, my parents, they had this dream of starting a family farm and like sort of moving out of the city and living in the country and like raising a family there. And, uh, we bought this property in upstate New York when I was five years old. And this sort of became like our weekend, like getaway spot. And it's really beautiful. It's really, really, really beautiful. It's like in the Catskills on this sort of slope in this valley it's just, it's a beautiful area um and it became much more my dad's dream than my mom's my mom kind of got a little disillusioned with it and was like eh, i kind of just want to stay in the city and they had issues with their marriage and i was like noticing them my mom spent a lot of nights just falling asleep on the living room couch mm. And my mom is a really loud snorer, so it just it kind of made it impossible to watch TV because she would just be snoring really loudly. I'd be like, "Mom, why don't you go to bed?" And she'd be like, "No, I'm fine here." And I'm like, hmm. "I'm not." Uh, right, right. It was, yeah, it was. It wasn't fun. Um, did they ultimately <clears throat> split up? They did. When I was 18, they told me that they were going to separate, and I was like, "Finally." Sure. I was like, "Cause I just I didn't. It's it's not a good energy to live with." Um, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. Uh, yeah. Do um, you you have siblings? I don't. No, no siblings. Yeah, it's um, probably a lot to fall on. It is. But like, so but, they, they separated when I was 18, but they continued living together. Um, while I was at college for two years, they still lived together. And in that time, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer, but it was stage zero. It was literally just like the first little as quick as you could it was as quick as you could catch it and like 
she had surgery to remove it and the worst part of her experience was like the recovery from that so she was she was really well taken care of it literally never even caused me any stress she was like it's stage zero it's the best case scenario in terms Mm -hmm. of like catching it it's like so early it's going to be taken care of don't worry i was like sure that's fortunate i was i was very i was very grateful um but then afterwards my mom moved back to the uk which is where she's like originally like grew up and stuff and because uh, she wanted to take care of my grandmother who um, uh, had uh, Alzheimer's and dementia and uh, wanted she wanted to take her out of a nursing home and look after her and so that she could like live a more comfortable life, which she did for eight years. And then my grandmother actually died in November. Uh, Just this past, this past year. November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, but if I'm going to be honest, like I loved my grandmother so much one of the kindest if not the kindest person i've ever even heard of but i was very relieved when she passed away because she's not in pain anymore she's not in pain anymore she also had like after having all time she had like a stroke it was just it was it it was a big strain on everyone i think and and i I think alzheimer's and and dementia has got to be one of the hardest things to deal with it totally is and i but i to be fair, I also don't know the full extent of it, but I saw the effect on my mom's mental health because, like, she was like, for eight years, she was a full time caregiver. Yeah, and that shit will fucking you, you take that home with you. Oh you yeah, know? and anytime my mom like left England to like come visit me here in New York, she would just like sleep for a week. Sure. And I was honestly just grateful for that. I was like, good, she fucking needs sleep. Yeah. Um, it, it's just hard to watch. It's hard to watch someone you care about do that and like be so. I don't want to say self-destructive, but doing something very noble, but that is, it is destructive to your sure. health because you don't have any time for yourself. But <clears throat> let me ask you, yes. did you have to fill some of that? Well, obviously it wasn't Alzheimer's, but your father getting sick, did you have to take on some of those roles as far as just shifting who you are? No, I did not have to be a caregiver. Um, but, uh, when he got diagnosed, I did like take him to and from the hospital like a couple times. I would like make deliveries and uh, grocery trips for him, and that was really tough because I was also like in sort of sporadic moments or sparse, sparsely spaced moments. Like I would see him like maybe once a week, or once every other week, and I would just see him like get more and more frail, and that was yeah, that's that was tough. Really rough. But. <clears throat> what I wanted to say was that, um, so my mom moved out when I was 20. And then when I was 22, um, a a plan that was like always going to be in place for us that we, the three of us like explicitly talked about was that it was agreed upon that my dad was going to retain like the space in upstate New York and that my mom and I were going to retain the apartment we have where I grew up sure. in in, uh, in New York, where I was going to like move back to after college and start like trying to make it as an actor in the city. Right. And uh, <clears throat> and then when I was 22, uh, my mom got surprised with a court summons by a lawyer that my dad had hired behind our backs, and he was trying to speed up the divorce and try to take all the property for himself because what he wanted to do was sell the apartment so that he could use that money to invest in upstate and basically start a working farm for what he thought was going to be an inevitable and really quick apocalypse. Hmm. Wow. That must have been a 
a real rug pulled out from underneath your mother. Oh yeah. And you presumably. Yeah. And he wouldn't talk to me about it because this uh, lawyer said, oh, you can't talk to Lucas about it. So he didn't talk to me. He wouldn't tell me what he was doing. And I was like, all right, if you're going to keep stuff from me, then we're not going to have a relationship. And I cut off contact completely for two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Until he started opening up contact again and just confirmed everything that I knew he was doing. Was he, did he try to, uh, when you did start talking again, which one of you sort of made the effort? He told me, he was like, I have a new lawyer and this new lawyer says that I can talk to you. But I still want to take your, (laughs) your, yeah. Or his home. I mean, both of yours. It's fair, fair, fair. But it sounds like there was a pretty explicit plan. Yes. And he eventually, like, told me everything. But I just, like, every time that I happen to see him, because, like, he still would have, like, mail. Because I I did eventually, like, move back home. Sure. And, like, sort of, like, take over that place, which is where I still live. Sorry. At this point, he was living upstate? Or did he have his own place in the city? He moved out to get a little studio apartment where, because he still, like, worked in the city. And then he would, like, take weekend trips upstate to, like, tend to, like, plants that he was growing and stuff. But um, occasionally, like, mail of his would still come to my slash our place. And so I would meet up with him to give him his mail. How was that? Was it like meeting up with an ex or something? It was, yeah, I guess. Like, was there much? Heart-wrenching. Absolutely. Because, yeah. like, all I wanted to do was just hug him because I missed him yeah. so much. And do you think the feeling was mutual? Oh, or, yeah. Did you guys oh, both absolutely. have too much? Did you ever hug or did you have too much of an ego to sort of, like... I would literally meet a, I would literally meet him at a train station and like give him mail through the gate so that he didn't have to come out and like re-swipe his metro wow. card or anything. That's and like it, once or twice. No, sorry. What were you gonna say? That just seems like something in prison. <laughs> it, <laughs> You're it is yeah. someone who physically can't touch you, but yeah. And uh, then occasionally he would be like, "How are you doing?" And I would just turn. I would just turn around and walk sure, away. Sure, because you I were angry, furious. Yeah, for years probably. Yeah, and it's. It's wild how I don't regret it, but I, but I remember how taxing it was to to maintain that it's to maintain that kind of space that neither of you like. Sure. But it's kind of like in a minor degree, but if you're angry with someone and then you forget that you're angry with them and then there's like like a joke that happens and you turn and you're like, ah, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. wait a minute. I got to put on the tough face. I don't fucking like this person right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, You forget that you dislike yeah right, yeah oh, i got so caught up in the moment of being alive i forgot that i'm holding on to this stuff from the which past. is in a way a beautiful thing about like how powerful humor is and that yeah, it absolutely. totally disarms you and just brings you right into the moment yeah yeah but if you're trying to make a stand it's not good for you yeah yeah it kind of lets the walls down yeah. when you're trying to build up the fortifications yeah 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 so that must have been what 4 years ago or something that so I'm 28 now, and so 22 to 24, we had no contact. But 24 to, like, 25, I started opening up contact again because he also, like, just let me in on everything. And I was like, well, at least he's being honest. And, and growing up, you guys were close? Prior, yeah. prior to the, um, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we had... Stuff. I mean, like... It got... I would say... Middle school and below was like a really good period for me and him. Sure. Teenage years, not so much. Teenage years, that was when I started realizing how difficult he was to live with. 
Sure. That was when my dad was very extremely particular, honestly, kind of obsessive that like, if anything was out of place, he would make it, he would make it your problem. He's like, this, cu-, he's like, this cupboard is like, is open. This sock is on the floor. Like he would wow, just. Wow, real control freak. Oh, he was like, maintenance, Lucas, maintenance. Wow. That sounds like something a uh, commanding officer would say, not a father or something yeah. like. Also, like if I, like if a I, if supervisor. I, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was stressful anytime that he was at home. He was always, he was looking for something to be mad at. Always looking for something to be mad at. And if I left like... Why do you think that was? Like about he, him? Do you think I he had f- some anger built up that he never dealt with or... Oh, definitely. He had shit from his childhood with his parents. Like he grew up in a house where there was like a lot of yelling. Sure. And that was like, that was his normal. That was where he was comfortable. And uh, he... I think he tried to get arguments going so that he could come across as the hero or become a come across as like the victor. Sure. And he was, he was just an asshole picking fights. That's gotta be exhausting. Yeah. But literally like if I left a light on in the hallway, he would just walk right up to me, just fold his arms and stare at me until I figured out what was going on. Was he like that? with people outside of his family, do you think? I guess you probably wouldn't know. Not like that. Um, he, But he was someone who would just rant at you and tell you exactly what you need to know about the environmental movement and what like chemicals you're putting in your body with oh. using this kind of this kind of cooking pan. There are chemicals going in your body and you're an idiot. Big guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I I wasn't allowed to eat a lot of inorganic foods. He was really restrictive when it came to food as well. Sure. He was. So he was like one of these, you know, no GMOs. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's environmentally him. conscious person. And my mom was a little bit, but she was way more flexible. Sure. My dad was also an anti-vaxxer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't get any vaccines until I was 18 and I got it done myself. That's interesting to think about. Placing the timeline of this, he got diagnosed in 2021 and he died in 2022. No, 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 no. He, di- he got diagnosed December of 2020. Correct. But that's okay. Sorry. And then died May of 21. So what all this is to say, it was kind of during peak COVID is what I was going to ask about. Pretty much. Did yep. that, I'm not going to get into the vaccine you can, stuff. Oh, you can talk about it. Well, you can talk I, about it, dude. What I would, do want to know is, did that affect um, your ability? Not that I don't know if how much, how often you did see him, but that did that affect um, hospital type stuff? You know what I mean? Um, he would wear masks. He would totally wear masks, but... I, I just went like... Um, we I did have conversations about the upcoming COVID vaccine, and he was like, oh, I'm on the fence. You know, I don't know if like the risks outweigh the, the benefit. And I was like, the benefits vastly outweigh the, the risks, right, 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 right. fucking dumbass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, I mean, at that point, he... A person could speculate that being unvaccinated would help, but I mean, he had stage four colon cancer. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. So, hmm, how did that? Uh, they weren't like one of those Christian Science people where they don't no. take medicine or anything. No, 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 no. My dad, um, my dad was raised Jewish, um, and uh, but he no, neither of my parents were religious. I wasn't raised religiously. It just wasn't a part of my life. Sure. Um, yeah. 
just anti-vax just anti-vax just for the love of the game big guy sure but i mean if he was doing that pre-covid he's like oh yeah he's, he's rfk he's no, he's a varsity man. anti-vax <laughs> yeah. yeah no he's he, been doing this way before uh yeah before it became a political issue no, he's a purple heart in the anti-vax sure yeah um he's been in the field um but uh yeah it was a thing that i was aware of <laughs> Because, like, I was aware that as a kid, like, my parents, like, claimed religious exemption so that I could go to, like, public school and stuff. Uh, because I suppose you have to be vaccinated to go to public school. Is yep. that what you're saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. you do. And And when I got accepted to the college I did go to, I initially signed a waiver saying that I was willing to be quarantined should I get, like, polio or mumps or some shit. Because you were the exception. Exactly. Interesting. Um, but that was when I started, like, doing research on my own about, like, vaccines. Sure. And I started, like, looking up with, like, notable, like, scientists in popular media. Like, at the time, it was people, like, anything that, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson or Richard Dawkins said about vaccines and just how safe they were. And sure. how debunking, like, how all of these myths about the dangers of it. And it's, like, true, like, everybody's body is different. Everybody's immune systems are different. You're going to occasionally get people that react negatively. Yeah. But 99999 like it's so safe right it's so safe and if anyone's listening please vaccinate your kids your kids are probably health, almost certainly healthy enough to take them you're doing a good thing by getting them vaccinated please do it right yeah well i can't believe that this is what is now the conversation is yeah. medicine yeah good but that well that's also so Something else that happened was that my dad had a, a sister, my aunt Joni, who she passed away when I was 21, uh, also from cancer, lung cancer. Mm. And she was probably, she's one of my favorite people on the planet. She was someone who was just like always so generous with her energy, fun, lively, easygoing, like perfect person you who if she was hosting a house party you would be like oh i gotta go sure always had like nice music playing in the background latin music she loved to take trips to costa rica she always brought back really good music she loved eclectic food she was just a fun energetic funny great laugh Mm. just a she was beautiful yeah i can tell she was important to you oh huge she took me to see book of mormon on my 18th birthday oh nice i loved her so much but she um she got cancer and she did the traditional route of like chemotherapy and sadly it didn't work out and she she passed away and obviously like hit my dad really really hard um and i think when he got diagnosed with cancer he got it in his head that chemotherapy was the wrong way to go and so he tried to do it the only way i would have expected him how was trying to heal it holistically like right. through diet crystals uh crystals but also like a macrobiotic vegan diet like yeah. raw, all of that and like i think all of that can help a treatment like good nutrition yeah, yeah. nutrition is medicine we can all agree like you should eat as healthy as possible especially if you're ill to try to get give your body as good a chance as possible but like i don't believe that alone that's the way to go no of course not you know, like doctors, they, they do know what they're doing. That's how Steve Jobs died. He was like, I'm just going exactly. bananas. And they're exactly. like, no, how about you put this, uh, this clinically tested medicine that, yeah, uh, exactly. It, yeah. That's unfortunate. Um, it was a weird thing where I was like, all right. I, so did, I'm sorry. Yeah. He did not do any chemo at all. He did not do any chemo at all. Wow. Yeah. 
From the start. Uh, from the start. And I'm assuming this is probably against his doctor's advice. Or did he this dis- is disclose a, this? It's, it's a weird thing where, like, his doctor, there was no convincing my dad otherwise. Sure. And, like, his doctor, who was my doctor for a while, I, I no longer see him. But um, he knew my dad very well. And my dad was an extremely, like, blinders up. This is what I'm doing. You cannot convince me otherwise. Mm-hmm. It's just... Yeah, and so I think I think my doctor probably well, he probably would have wished that my dad went on like chemotherapy and done a lot of other stuff, but yeah. So let me ask you this: Do you think that your father accepted that he was going to die, or do you think he till the end was like, "I'm going to be the person"? This you know, diet and exercise. He did. Like, write a will, just in case. So he set his affairs in order. He did all of that stuff. Sure. But for sure, without a doubt in my mind, he thought, I'm going to be the hero who, like, beat stage four cancer, like, naturally. And I'm going to be, like, an icon. for. Okay, maybe that's, like, too strong. But I think he really wanted to set an example. Sure. I really believe that. No, I know that for sure, that he was trying to... That was what he was trying to be, which is just extremely difficult to watch do you think there was ever a point in the last couple of weeks where he sort of resigned to the fact that he was not in control of this or was it kind of just till the very end because often know. like uh my dad he was sick with cancer for eight and a half years but he, oh my god yeah and he i mean present he, he had good years and bad years and uh he he was given an 11 month diagnosis and he lived for eight and a half years. But up until. really special. It was amazing. And it, I am forever grateful for that. It's bonus time, you know. As I far am as grateful I'm you had that as well. Yeah. I'm really grateful. Thank you. Um, all that is to say, uh, he wasn't unrealistic about his life expectancy, but he really, until the very, very end, did not. I mean, he was still taking his cholesterol medicine the day he died. And it's like, buddy, wow. yeah. Um, and I think there is something, certainly there is some merit to the idea of if I am only positive and I don't accept the negativity, then I'm going to attract more positivity. I think in theory, that's a good idea, but it didn't really help me and my family get past it when it was like, of course, we had eight years to deal with it. And then it still felt so sudden because it's like, well, of course he's never going to die. He's already made it this far. Hmm. He's still, you know, riding his bike. He's still exercising. He's taking his, you know, supplements. And it's also it, just like eight years of living it. Like eight years is a long time to live in any kind of state. You, yeah. you grew really comfortable in that. Yes. With absolutely. like with the status quo. And so, so it's not only like dealing with the death, but sort of like living on the edge and actually getting comfortable. Totally. On the edge. And it was like, at a certain point, it's like, oh, dad's getting hospitalized. Well, that's what he does every six months. Yeah. You know, it was like, that's shitty news. But yeah. It's not new. It happened before. It'll happen again. And, uh, right. but yeah, it's, and I also, I don't think that people should, um, only dwell on the fact that they have a finite amount of time. No, of course not. But it is, and nobody wants to talk about it. I know a lot of people that are sick and I think a lot of people deep down, whether they admit it or not, they think they're going to be the one that beats it because of course. it's so incomprehensible to just be like, oh, cool. My body is killing me. Huh. Why me? Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of anger involved and whatnot, but 
I'm if I was in that position, I think that I would probably try to keep up my spirit and really focus on healing and making and beating it. I yeah, I'm sure I would do that. Right. And like, but probably I, not to the degree of rejecting uh, Western medicine. No. <laughs> no, 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 right. no, 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 no. And um, of I, I would totally understand not wanting to have your body decimated by the radiation that's put into you. But it's like, uh, what I know with cancer is, <laughs> what it is is options that become fewer and fewer. You know, yeah. you try medicine, it works for six months, it doesn't work well. Sorry, I mean, I know your dad's was <laughs> extremely shorter. Dude, you can that. say anything you need <laughs> to. Please, don't don't censor yourself. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying, like, what I know about some of these diseases is you try a medicine and it works for a while and then it doesn't, and then you go, all right, well, here's our next option. And yep. you go, well, that's gonna take another toll on me, but what's my other, you know, this is the avenue. This is what yeah. I have to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking rough. Um, and I can't even totally. imagine having to sort of come to terms with that in six months. Oh, yeah. Do you mind telling me about the, the day that it happened? And, yeah, sure. Uh, did you receive the news? Were you with him? So he died in upstate. He um, On the farm? No, he, uh, he died in Cooperstown, New York, which is like a little while away from where our, our spot was. And what it was was... He died on a Saturday, and it was the Tuesday prior that um, he got picked up by some friends who were going to drive him up, and his he was going to stay upstate so that a friend who was a nurse could take care of him, and he could receive like specialized care upstate. And uh, the day following, a Wednesday, I started getting a lot of calls and a lot of texts from these friends saying you need to get up here as soon as you can he's taking a turn for the worse we put him in the hospital we don't know how long he has get up here as soon as you can and i actually i have a whole bit in my stand-up about this but like i don't have a i don't have a license so i got a 700 dollars uber holy to go shit. four and a half hours north that's insane and I just and like, that was instant, right? Probably yeah. get the call, grab. Yeah. Bag. Oh, I had a show that night. I canceled sure. it. Yeah. It was uh, it was a live taping of my podcast that I um, two nosy meerkats. Um, we'll do the plugs later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, <clears throat> we were gonna do that, and I like I texted people. I was like, my dad's dying. I can't make it. And they were like, yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah obviously, course. like so nice about it. But I, when I got to the hospital, it was like about midnight, maybe. And this friend of his, a family friend, uh, I don't want to say her name. Uh, I'll call her um, uh, uh, Gwen Stefani. Okay. So uh, Gwen Stefani meets me there. Sure. And uh, she's, and she and I became extremely close in that like half week that I was upstate. But she she meets me at the hospital. And this is the friend of your father's. This is a friend Sorry. of my dad's. Okay. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, my dad's in like an induced coma, I think. Mm -hmm. He's on like um, painkillers and he's like alive but not conscious or like responding to anything. And I hung out there by his bed for a little bit before um, Gwen Stefani uh, took me to a different friend's place uh, because uh, where there was a spare room that I could stay in. Um, and uh, that person had a cat who was very, very sweet to me. Um, and the next day, I uh, I 
the next two days, I just spent all day at the hospital, just by my dad's bedside. He was in the coma the whole time? Yeah. And what was crazy was, like, every now and again, you would hear him vocalize. Like, you would hear his... Oh, my, oh I, that reminded me that uh, when I... Because I thought I, he may die, like, before I, before I get in this car and go upstate. Like, I... This Gwen Stefani, like, gave, put my dad on the phone, and my dad, it was like the death rattle. He was able to hear what you were saying? Yes. I'm sorry, what do you mean by the death rattle? The death rattle is a, it's a kind of labored breathing that always precedes death. Ah. And it literally on the phone sounded like Darth Vader, just like... And he was your father. Yeah. <laughs> and I am Lucas. Wow, I didn't even put that together. Damn. Yeah. All right, that's the clip. Yeah. It was all worth it for your yeah. dad. Uh, that's got to be tough. So when you heard his breathing, did you in your heart know, oh, this is different? I was like, this is happening. And I was like, I was crying on the phone and I was like, I just hold on if you can, but just know I love you and I'm sorry about the time we lost. Even though it's, and I, I was like, I'm, I said, I'm still mad at you for everything. I'm mm. still furious with you, but I do love you. And Gwen Stefani makes me laugh. Saying, but um, <laughs> she told me that even though my dad couldn't speak, he was like inching his head closer to the phone and smiling. And so he was without a doubt, like responding and eagerly trying to listen. That's great, Lucas. I'm glad you were able to at least communicate that. I was really, really glad. Um, but yeah, I spent next couple days at the hospital and this so my dad is like very hippy dippy dude um and he told me ages ago like during one during my childhood that he astral projected twice in his life like had an out-of-body experience where he left his body Mm. um but that each time he looked back and uh got scared and immediately returned to his body he, it was just like he had a lot of he just because he had such a long life he he found people in the occult and he who taught him how to do stuff sure um whether you believe it or not i don't know but anyway it was it was fun stories but what was interesting and sweet and honestly a little bit funny was that on the friday day before he dies um this friend gwen stefani she um she told me that she had a stroke once in her past, and since then she's had a unique sensitivity to people's spirits and emotions, just being able to like read what people are giving off. Choose to believe it or not, I don't care what anyone thinks, but that's what she said. And there was a point where she said, your dad's spirit is outside of his body, and he's standing behind you, and he has his hand on your shoulder. And I was like crying i like put my hand on my shoulder to try to like be close and stuff and then she said nope he's just gone back into his body i think he's scared and i was like oh my god he chickened out again (laughs) wow that's sweet and the the final astral projection yeah 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 and the thing is (laughs) i'm afraid to touch my son i'm going back (laughs) yeah he was like ah this is this is weird this is this is too much nice but it's freaky Yeah. yeah um and maybe my dad told her that story but i don't think so i don't think he did 
Um, I also I'm pretty sure that I brought that story like the story of like his two previous experiences up to her and that she was surprised by it. So and I don't think she would have lied to me. But after that happened, I said, is there anything you think my dad's trying to communicate right now, even though he's not able to like what? And she says, all he's trying to say is I love you. And it was the pacing she did that that was like that legit sounds exactly like what my dad would try to sound like in a crisis just yeah. like pausing just like big gestures and i just thought that it sounds too much like him to ignore and i just thought i'm gonna choose to believe this sure i i don't know if it's real but i know i have the right to believe this and i thought this is gonna be good for me having closure some sort of communication so i thought I believe that my dad is telling me that. And I sure I told him, I hear you. I love you too. And thank you. And all of that. I'm glad you were able to um, sort of uh, make, not, yeah. make, not make peace necessarily. It's good that you held on to the things that hurt you, but I'm really glad you were able to communicate that to him. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for that moment. And I'm grateful that she was there to be there with me. Um, and she and I just like got really, really close. Just like, talking to each other i told him about uh, i told her about everything that my dad did that made me angry and Mm. furious and all of the issues that we had and she ended up even we were just like at dinner one night and she just like cried hearing it yeah because she said i knew there was something wrong with your guys's relationship but i didn't know what and i'm so sorry that this happened and that was really really nice yeah absolutely she shared like traumatic stuff from her past and it was it was a very spiritual few days. It was very. It was a re, it was really special. That's and good. weeks later, when my mom came out and we scattered my dad's ashes as we were saying goodbye, she like gave me um, Gwen Stefani. She gave me a big hug and she just said, "I love you." Yeah, and I said, "I love you too." That's great. It was really, and I still do. She's extremely extremely kind person yeah those are the people in your life you got to look out for because oh yeah there's there's good people among us you know yeah and it helps you get through the fucking yeah the devastation that is life because totally. like life is there's so much great stuff but if you really yeah. pause and feel it all it's a lot of pain and there's no wonder our society is just you know yeah. Mostly vices and distractions. <laughs> yeah. Myself included. Oh, I, we, we all we all fall short. We right. all we all have weekdays. You can't judge yourself for that. Right. You just got to do the best you can. But um, so that was a Friday. And then Saturday morning, I woke up to the news that he had passed away in his sleep. Sure. And I was kind of grateful that I wasn't because I was watching him die for two days straight yeah and like he would be breathing but then like a stretch of time would happen where he wouldn't breathe for like 30 seconds and you're like oh my god I'm watching it and then he would go (gasps) and then it was just like it was just like it was so painful yeah so stressful yeah that because I experienced just that moment like 10 times at least right yeah I will say when my dad did finally have his decline it it went quick in a way that I'm grateful for mm. uh, because it's the type of thing where you're like, oh, this he could just be in this state for the next three months or something. <laughs> um, so I got the call on Tuesday. I bought an airplane ticket and f- was at LaGuardia in like 90 minutes. Um, and then he passed away m- the following Monday morning. 
similar, I woke up to the news because I was also staying up with him at night. He's got all sorts of machines and fucking, you know. Were you able to fall asleep in that space? You couldn't fall asleep in that space, could you? I could because it was, I was there for a week. So, Oh, my God. But, it, like by his bedside? No, no, it was my childhood home. So oh, he was, oh, absolutely. Oh, he, yeah, was, yeah. he was in the living room. Um, we okay. brought, so that's the other thing. We brought him home for hospice, and it's like, well, when he, when there's hospice, you, there's not a lot of fucking uh, sugarcoating that. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, he was waning in and out of lucidity, and then he's, you know, he's pretty, he was just getting sleepy and tired, and then, you know, it was just... Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, my mother woke me up, and she said, he's gone. Mm. And I just remember being like... Do you have siblings? I do, actually, and I'm very grateful for it. I have two sisters and a brother, and so we really leaned on each other pretty hard. That's wonderful. But I remember waking up to that news and just thinking, I just want to be asleep again. If I'm asleep, then it's not real, you know what I mean? Mm. But as it were, it's like, he's gone. Come downstairs. We're all going to put our hands on his body and just sort of like, I don't know, collectively exist next to, you know, what's left of him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah that shit's pretty harsh man it's terrible I I didn't see him after he died I, I received so, his ashes right. and I did and that was trippy as hell sure um, I've said it before but I was surprised by how much ashes come out of a human body in yeah. our case we got like a shoebox full yeah it was a lot and I still have your dad was a big guy <laughs> no just in ash yeah <laughs> he expanded in fire <laughs> uh, no, he really not. let himself go when he got into <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah he did lose a lot of weight <laughs> post-mortem yeah yeah now he weighs about fucking three ounces uh, do you still have any like, I do in fact um, and I they're in a box in up in Maine where I don't know. All my siblings live in Maine. They exist. I've spread some of them many. I've spread some over four different locations and there's still probably 75% of it left. Hmm. I would like to bring some of it here to my apartment so I can have it. Um, But yeah, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I don't, it's just going to be one of those things that I move from apartment to apartment to apartment until I die. I would like to spread some more of his. It's been a couple of years since I've spread any, but um, Hmm. It, I guess it is nice. It's, it's a weird souvenir to hold on to. Um, I had I, I thought about do I want to hold on because I knew his wishes was were to spread his ashes over the property in upstate New York. Sure, but uh, and we did that, and I thought, do I want to keep any of it? And I thought, I don't. Right. I I thought there there are a million other things that I can keep that will bring me a lot more emotional security. And I thought his ashes, that was not something that was going to bring, do any good for me. So I thought, no, I'm just getting rid of all of it. Absolutely fair. Um, yeah, honestly, it's kind of one of those things. It's like a, just a, a, a possession of mine now. That is, yeah, exactly. I don't really think about it. It's but a I'm thing like, on your shelf. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's very much so. And that's cool and all, but like. Has it, did it affect at all how you, what you want done with your body when you die? I am very much a person who does not care what happens to my carcass. Uh, I, I'm an organ donor. I hope somebody can, you know, mm. maybe continue their life if they need to with mine. Yeah. I would probably be um, cremated. This is more of like a, 
an obs- <laughs> uh, non-emotional observation that I've made, but I feel like at a certain point on Earth, cemetery, we're going to realize that cemeteries, once overpopulations comes to a point where we're like, hey, half of Queens is dead bodies? Yeah. Maybe, and I'm not saying we should... Uh, build some new condos over what used to be the cemetery, but I do think it's... I am. Yeah, well, you know, you're right. Why not? No. Paved paradise. Not paradise. Uh, this riff's going yeah. nowhere. The point is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the point is, uh, I think it's kind of uh, needless to keep your body in a box. I personally... I burn. want to donate my whole body to science. Yeah. Not just organ donation. I want to do that, but I want to donate everything. I don't want any of it to go to waste. It, yeah, yeah. Native I, American. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, use every part of the Lucas. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For real. Use every bit. Uh, this is not much, but like use it. But um, yeah, I, I remember seeing a documentary where like people donated their bodies to this forensic school so that this school could like do with the bodies stuff to like give their students stuff to excavate. Okay. And so that they could practice and yeah, yeah. like and my figure father out did cases the same thing actually. Oh yeah, shit, Kentucky. No, he uh, the University of Minnesota. He just donated ah, body okay. to science. There, there was it was one that was in Kentucky. I was like, oh, I want to do that with my body. It just seemed like such a good thing to do that yeah. I did that probably not a lot of people do. That uh, and I was like, no, a hundred percent, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to be using this. Yeah, if someone can if someone who is born with some sort of fucking organ that doesn't work could use mine who am i to be like hey i'm taking this to hell with me no but it's mine (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) i need my liver for when i'm drinking in the afterlife yeah that's my big plan it definitely affected how i thought about those ashes where i thought this isn't my dad anymore this is just a lot of powder it's a receipt exactly it's and it just, it, it, I, I knew, I thought about it, but I knew pretty quickly that it just, it wasn't something that I felt importantly about. And I, I scattered a lot of it upstate, but I did also scatter a little bit in the city in a space where I could like visit and just like sure. be near. Does yeah. he have a, um, a tombstone? Nope. Neither does mine. And I'm okay with that, but it is interesting to not have an avatar necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but then again, what am I going to do? Go look at a fucking rock that's in like uh, no. Minnesota or maybe Chicago where he was born. It's like, yeah, I don't. What's that going to do for me? No, I'd rather look at a picture of him on my phone. You exactly. Know? No, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty much the same. I've thought about like, it would be nice if like for my funeral, like people would like write a final message to me sure. and then fold it up. And then all those messages would be put in a fire and then they're set ablaze. That's, that's nice. And that maybe those ashes or something could be like put in a little box and then that be buried. Sure. So that the final thing that is like given to my avatar or tombstone or, or whatever is just a, a reminder of the connections I had in life. And yeah. that's that's what I think would be very, really nice. That is nice. Yeah. It's a good thought. Yeah. Um, Do so, you... This is a stock question I like to ask, but do you yeah, happen sure. to remember the first time that you laughed after your father died? Was there any yes. moment where you were just like, oh, man? Yes. Tell me about it. I went to an open mic at the Tiny Cupboard. Okay. So my dad died on a Saturday. This is a Tuesday following. You're back in the city. You came back, back from in upstate. the city. I'm back. $400, $700 Uber back. No, actually, <laughs> no, I remember. No, there was a time that I laughed before. Okay. Which was that. The day after my dad died, um, 
I apologize if this may be something to cut out. That's but whatever. Th- I was sexually assaulted the day after. Oh, by my, by my girlfriend at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that made you laugh? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey, no, funny's no, no, no. funny. No, but that was that was another bit of trauma that I, I dealt with. That's afterwards. fucking crazy. It was terrible. Why? In, I didn't re- in, I didn't process it until months later that that's what happened because my brain was so fried that I just didn't that I was on autopilot and I'm I like sorry sort that of blacked out. I'm sorry that happened to you, man. Yeah. But after that what the first time I laughed afterwards was that I went over to um, my friends, Lee and Maxim, mm-hmm. um, and they, they, Maxim, like, like I came in and everyone was like being real, just really sweet, just being there for me, just as friends. And Maxim had two, he had his hands behind his back. He said, okay, Lucas, we didn't know what to get someone whose dad just died. And then he pulls out a watermelon and a cheesecake. That's fucking hilarious. And that made me laugh so much. Yeah, that's good. Because they were just both things that they knew I liked. Sure. And then we ate them and I loved them. That's Because they were just... But it was such a random ass combination. Literally any time I think about that, yeah. it makes me smile. That's a great memory. Now you have a permanent association with cheesecake and, and watermelon. Yeah, watermelon. <laughs> so. Like I've thought about like, oh, if I ever started like a film production company or something, I would probably call it like watermelon cheesecake production. Sure. So it would be like really like meaningful like that. That is, that's a really special memory for me. It's just like just the goofiness of them just being pulled out of nowhere like a cartoon sure yeah 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 um yeah and he actually had there was a second watermelon which i took home so that was that was really nice um yeah that was the first time i i laughed afterwards what i was thinking of though was that this is when i knew that i was ready to do uh ready to do stand-up again was that i went to the tiny cupboard and uh it was the rooftop and my friend Debancor was there and first time I'm seeing him since my dad died and he knows and so he like gives me a hug he's like asks me how I'm doing I'm like yeah I'm all right and I told him that that day I had had my first therapy session since my dad died and I told her everything and that when I told her that my dad and told her everything she cried your therapist tried yeah that's not a really that's not good no no that's, that's not, not what's supposed to be yeah, yeah, yeah. and I now have a bit about realizing that Right. Like realizing that it's a red flag because like I didn't realize it was a red because in the moment during our therapy session, I was like, okay, am I a really good storyteller? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm going to take this therapy session to the moth because yeah. <laughs> this, this is more of a story slam than yeah. it is catharsis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You're like handing Kleenex to your therapist. Like, yeah, yeah. Take as many as you need. It was Zoom therapy. Oh, wow. It was wow. Zoom therapy. Yeah. 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 So you can't even. No, no, couldn't even. Yeah. But um, you're just like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. You'll make it through. Yeah. Um, but I was telling this to my friend Debancourt, and he, when I told him that my therapist cried, he was like, whoa, dude, did you cry with her? And I just said, nah. <laughs> no, no, of course not. And that was when I was like, I'm now ready to begin trying to laugh about it. Sure. It's never not going to hurt, but it's the, the scar tissue is going to heal up enough where it's like... Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And also, as comedians, 
we write jokes about the things that fucking happened to us. I remember yeah. when my dad died, I was like, I have to write jokes about this? Like, I wasn't exactly like, oh, cool. Now You're I like, got some new fucking... Uh, I'm going to well. be one of those comics right. now. But it's kind of just like... I write jokes about the things that happened to me. This is one of the big things that happened to me. I'm gonna write jokes about it. Um, but it is interesting to yeah, to go from, oh my gosh, complete devastation to how can I make this funny? A weird thing that actually made grief more manageable was that growing up, I I found it very difficult to figure out how I felt about stuff because I was always so concerned about how I was affecting other people. Mm. And so figuring out just how I felt, what my own opinion was on stuff, very difficult for me. And probably still is, but I'm getting better. But something that was really good about stand-up is that it forced me to really think about how I was affected by stuff. Sure. And figure out my opinion. And I started realizing, it's actually really fucked up that these people did these things around me in a moment of like, in a moment of real trauma. Sure. Of like, of grief. And I was like... Like, my dad's best friend, like, reached out to me once he found out that my dad died and, like, offering his condolences, but then immediately pivoted to pitching me his screenplay. No. Oh, yeah. Same call? Same call. That's fucking insane. Again, I have, like, I'm basically just doing bits now, but, like, I, there's so much that I didn't realize when it happened that it was really messed up until I started, like, trying to just think about how I felt, and then I was like wait a sec, I would never do that if someone, like, like a friend of mine's kid. Why is it, so, because you, you have, you're a voice actor and you, you have acting aspirations, that's why he submitted to you? I guess, I mean, well, it's also that, like, maybe he knew that I had, like, built a social media following. Sure, but, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, but that's still fucking insane. Yeah, I agree. It's like, hey, buddy, uh... This is going to be one sentence. Condolences also, can you do me a favor? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, the way it was phrased, he was like, you know, your dad and I, we used to do theater together way back when, and God. we wrote this screenplay together that I've been working on in the you past know, couple of years. I'd, I'd love to send it to you if you want to, like, show it around to any you know, industry Christ. people. It, it was, was always your father's dream for me to uh, yeah. <laughs> use your, your platform to... My dad was friends with a lot of weird people. He collected weird people. Sure. He, he found it very entertaining to keep these people as like... Well, he sounded like he was somewhat of a weird person himself. He was... Yeah, you could say. Not, I don't a mean it in a bad way. I'm a pretty weird person, but... No, uh, no, I don't mean it in a bad... I mean it in a real way. He was a weird dude. He was a very weird dude. Had very nice people in his life, but a lot of very strange people that I did not feel comfortable around. Yeah. Um... Real quick, and I guess we could edit this out. The sexual assault that happened after your... Yeah. I don't was, mind talking there, about but it. But was there something... I asked you what was funny, and you were like, I got sexually assaulted. I thought there was going to be like more no, 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 of a no, humorous was, element it wasn't, to that. There wasn't anything funny about it, no. Oh, that was just another terrible thing that happened. It was something that. I keep forgetting happened on the same day as sure. the watermelon and cheesecake. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I was thinking of the watermelon and cheesecake, and then I was like, oh, shit, that also happened that day. Sure. Um, I just didn't want to sweep it under the rug because I was no, wondering no, if there was like a threat. No, I, I don't mind there. talking about it, but it, um, was, it was my girlfriend at the time. Uh, she came over initially to like console me and like I was like crying on her shoulder and she was holding me. But then like she started like kissing me and I was not a horn. I was not trying sure. to do. And then I. Why? Did your dad just die or something? Oh, yeah, maybe. No, it's um, weird. <laughs> that's that's actually the ultimate aphrodisiac usually. Yeah. 
Yo, your dad should die again. You'll get hard, oh, bro. Man. Yeah. Is it my birthday or did my dad just die? <laughs> you got that yeah. cute little thing on. I like. <laughs> yeah, but um. Well, that's fucking. I'm sorry that happened. we don't need. No, I I don't mind talking about it. It was like she was like kissing me and then sort of like gauged my reaction and I was just sort of like dead eyed and zoning out, and then she just continued and like put my hands on her body even though I wasn't participating at all and like took off both of our and it just like happened and I was not a participant yeah that's shitty and I yeah I suppose in the wake of you're in such a fucking at least I I was in oh I I didn't sleep all the night before I was I I, also like after my dad died it's kind of like I think it's probably similar to being in like a car accident and then climbing out in the ditch you're you think you're fully conscious, but you are in shock. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. You're able to, you know, make a phone call. You're able to walk. But yeah. who you are is like, as far as your center of balance and like mentality. So, yeah. It feels like, I don't know. It feels like getting punched in the face. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, well, I'm still conscious, but I'm kind of uh, oh, yeah. disoriented. Totally. And... Last year, 2022, I was walking with a friend uh, to go meet up with some other people for dinner. And this is long after I had broken up with my uh, then-girlfriend. But she was sitting outside a bar with some people, and I could see her ahead. Mm. And I immediately had a panic attack, and I just, on a dime, just turned around. I was like, I'm sorry, we need to go a different way. We need to go a different way. And and my friend was like, what's going on? I was like, just, we need to go. And then I like sort of blurted out. I was like, my my ex who assaulted me, she's ahead. I can't walk past her. And she was like, okay. She was like, we don't need to go to dinner. We don't need to do anything. Whatever you want to do, you want to go home, anything. She was, and I was like, no, 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 I still want to go. I just, I just, I just need to go. I just, I, I, I was like stumbling through words. And like, when I'm stressed, it's almost impossible for me to speak, to make words. I go, I go kind of nonverbal. And that was a moment where I was like, I just, I was like panicking. I could barely speak. And for like half an hour and then, but after half an hour, I like came back to normal, avoided it. Sure. And I wonder, I mean, obviously it's triggering for one reason, but this also might remind you of the shittiest day of your life. Absolutely. Of course. No, it's it's all tied in together. It's one big Honestly, it was what it's one big knot. No wonder your therapist was crying. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, that's that's shitty that it happened. And especially when those things happen in such a short amount of time, it's easy, like you said, to forget that that should happen until you're like, oh, yeah, I don't really revisit this chapter of my life. Like, I yeah. don't often. The only reason I processed. Excuse me. The only reason that I processed that it was coercion and sexual assault was because I ran into someone who was a friend of hers who revealed to me that she had also cheated on me Oh, while we were together. That's and that's when I started like going back and thinking about everything. And I, I remember I started piecing together that day and I was like, wait, I didn't consent to that or really advocate or anything. I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. I just started putting that together and I was like, oh, Oh no. Yeah, that's and, rough. Uh, yeah. 
It well, was at only, least it was yeah. something to take your dad to remind off the, yeah. of your dad dying. It's like, hey, nice how about the, a little adjacent trauma? Yeah, let's dilute this memory yeah. with some... And let's honestly, dilute this vodka with scotch. Yeah. Right, right. Can we combine this trauma into something that you won't understand sexually or death-wise? Yeah. Like, that's unfortunate, man. It's like using gasoline as a mixer. <laughs> nah, it's good. I've done this before. Yeah. Yeah, that's... um. Well, that's shitty, and I'm sorry it happened to you. Yeah. Um, what was your father's name? Carl. Carl. You said that earlier. Yeah. Carl Arnold. Yep. Rest in peace, Carl. How How old? Well, you were. He was 51, so he must have been up there in age. He was 77 oh, when he died. That's a good run. Yeah. No. Yeah. He. No. He had a good. It's run. no Henry Kissinger, but it's no. it's a good run. Henry is he still going? He's still alive. He's still hey, he's still he's kicking gonna, it. He's gonna outlive the still Simpsons. crushing puss. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and by I love push, that. We mean third world countries. <laughs> I love the phrase crushing puss. I don't know why it just it it feels. Just I'm glad you worked it in there. It's the first time it's made its appearance on this podcast. You're welcome. You're welcome, <laughs> feminists. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, he, he was 77 when he died. Um, it was and another thing that I've like thought about a lot is because like my dad's dad, my grandfather, uh, he died before I was born and his dad died before my dad was born. So it's just a lot of chain. It's a lot of sure. chain links of guys not knowing their paternal grandfathers. Yeah, yeah. And no, that's it, actually like same for me. Yeah. My my father's dad died a year before I was born. His wow. dad died when um his father's dad died when his father was a teenager. Wow. So I come from a long line of on my dad's side not knowing my grandparents. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, it's, it sucks because like I know for sure I would like to have kids one day and it's just it's it's such a sad thing to think about my own childhood like learning that my granddad died before because like, my other three gran- grandparents I have known yeah um, at least a little bit um, just to know that I'm going to have that I at least I hope I'm going to get to have that conversation where I will have to say no he passed away and that he would have loved to have met you but right yeah yeah it's um that is like that's a it's a really fucking it's not bittersweet it's just a bitter taste yeah uh, i have a nephew you know my sister was fucking seven months pregnant when my dad died oh my um, god was that her first kid yeah yeah and the first grandchildren that <sighs> my parents would have had and my dad was such a fucking amazing person that i know this kid my nephew he's just missing out on so much goddamn love that would have oh, been yeah you know indescribable and that's unfortunate, but, you know. I am so sorry to hear that. But also, like, the way my family is and the way my parents made me, we're a bunch of really over-empathetic, sensitive people. So we're doing everything we can to give this kid all the love that, like... No doubt. You know, and we tell him, you know, well, Grandpa's not here, but remember, here's a video of him, stuff like that. Oh, wow. Uh, but, yeah, it's for sure going to color, um, you know, part of my life. The fact yeah. that... Uh, you know, it's kind of like when you have dead friends and you go, man, it's too bad. Not only did I not get to see them succeed, people that I know didn't get to see them. People, the, the, yeah. especially comedians where I'm like, man, it's it's a bummer that people that have started comedy six months ago will never see so-and-so because yeah. they were so profoundly important to me. And that's just a sort of more of a loss for collectiveness. You than, feel like their talent was wasted on you almost. 
Sure. I, well, I, I would say that. wasted. I, I say I'm happy that I got to see this person um, do what they did, but it is mm. very much. And, you know, a lot of comedians, especially you know, unless you're established, it's not like all your material is going to be on YouTube or something. So I have all these dead friends that have like four minute clips on. That's that's what I remember them by. And it's, I'm grateful that I have that. But it's just yeah. like, man, they had so much more to give. Um, totally. But I mean, that's I, I suppose that's the nature of dying. Everybody. Mm. I, I, I feel very few people are like, well, my work here is done. That's a dark <laughs> thing to think about because I got a lot on the Internet right now. <laughs> I got a lot of videos. Well, that's actually good for you. Though, cause yeah, but it's also like I want to be remembered for something a little more long form. Sure. Like I want to. Yeah. Well, that actually does remind me I've because I've talked with some people about like, do they care if they're remembered? I don't think I care if I'm remembered after I die. Hmm. I don't sure. care if I'm like considered like one of like the comedy greats. I don't care about that at all. It's the present that matters. It's the present. Yeah, that's fair. I I want like to leave the world a better place than it was. I want it to be like a safer world for sure. people to like grow and develop in. But I don't. I don't care how I'm. I just I hope it's not negative. I don't want to. Right. Pe- I don't want people to say like, "Oh, he sucked." I don't want that. But like, I don't think I really care about being talked about after I die. Sure, it's not really the posterity. The people that I want to make an impact on are the people that are important to me. Yes. So same way in comedy, the people that I want to make laugh the most are the people that I think are funny. Mm. Um, so I don't know. It's it's you know at the end of the day, even the most famous living comedians. You talk to a non comedian they go who do you like and you, you go i don't know i really like if you say anyone besides jim gaffigan or chris rock they're gonna oh i don't know who that is yeah i, I go well they're my favorite artist of all time and you go oh well nobody's ever fucking heard of them and you go well that's kind of the case for a lot of comedy oh yeah i don't need to george carlin was he cemented his legend and he was hugely influential over me he was my first guy i right. think we talked about this actually yeah, 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 that yeah. he was like my first comedian that i was like ups- that right. my dad introduced me to oh that's nice that my dad yeah. like told me to look up right. when i was like 13 on youtube sure yeah i mean carlin that's great his legacy's intact and I appreciate that he did. If I die and fucking the only people that remember me are like the people in Bushwick. Well, I'd, I'd like it to be more than just Bushwick, but the yeah, people sure. who saw me do comedy, it's not like I'm fucking uh, reinventing the wheel or even saving lives. I'm making jokes. Yeah. Um, ultimately, what we do is pretty self-serving, but if we, uh, but yeah, I don't know. We're all going to die. Nobody's going to remember anything. True. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. It's, it's, a, it, it's all temporary. That's a weird thing that is almost brought me comfort it's like oh no we're all gonna eventually be dead in an equal way totally no one's gonna be no one's got death plus yeah yeah yeah. you know he who dies with the most netflix specials is still dead yeah <laughs> but you still got like basic cable death everyone's yeah, yeah. got yeah yeah but i guess that's the big equalizer yeah death it is a, yeah <laughs> Unless you're Donald Trump, and then you don't have to pay taxes. And got him. And also having a huge penis. Yeah, yeah. And, let, and, and people remember you for I that. I mean, these are they the do. three things that we all know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't have anything beyond huge penis. Yeah, no, so, it was a solid riff. Thank you. Um, thank you. All right. We are coming in for the landing. All right. Um, let's do some plugs. Okay. Where can people find your content? 
They can find me on all social media at Lucas T. Arnold. That's L-U-K-A-S-T-A-R-N-O-L-D. Uh, also, LucasTArnold.com, which is my uh, website. Uh, all of my stuff is there. Please uh, oh, subscribe to my uh, mailing list. Sign up for my mailing list so that I know where I could hopefully soon in the future like perform some dates near you i'm trying to collect as much information about where uh people would like to see me perform oh and you're going to london soon yeah yeah yeah. well i'm going uh next week i'm going to london next week i've got some shows up there and then i'm also uh i'm going i'm going there for like a week and a half um seeing family and but then i also got some dates but then i come home for a few days but then i go out to Asheville, north carolina doing a comedy festival there then going straight to la doing another festival there all right we get it you get booked i just wanted to know what your instagram yeah. handle was okay. <laughs> you and for those of you listening i'll be on a show at friends and lovers uh, <laughs> tonight at eight o'clock a great venue a if great you, venue if you have a time machine come back and watch my eight minute set um well, cool, man. I'm glad you got things lined up. I'm glad you're catching some uh, people are seeing what you're doing. Thank you, man. I enjoy your comedy. I appreciate I you. I enjoy yours too, man. Thanks, man. I also enjoy your tragedy. I, I like. <laughs> I like. I like your tears as well. Hey. Um. Cool. I think we've established all the things that we need to do. Is there anything else you'd like to say about Carl before we um before we dismount this? Um. It's, I still feel a lot of anger towards him. Like our last conversation was one where I asked him to apologize for something and he couldn't do it. Yeah. I, he tough. just basically said, why do you need, I was like, because I was hurt that you basically like he had told his lawyer something that really misrepresented what I said. And I said, I'm willing to accept that you just heard me wrong and that you just like thought you heard something. Will you say, I'm sorry that I heard you wrong? Just say sorry that for was, that. That was too big of an ask, huh? To, he, no, he just didn't get it. He just didn't understand. He was like, why? And I was like, because it, it just, it would matter to me if you just acknowledged that I was hurt. I'm like, I understand that it was just a mistake. I'm willing to accept this wasn't intentional. Just would you say, I'm sorry I heard you wrong? Just that. And like after 20 minutes, he sort of said sorry, but in very much a, I'm sorry you feel that of way. Of course. Yeah. And that was the last conversation we ever had. That's tough. And so one last thing I would want to say is that it's okay and you shouldn't, it's going to be confusing, but if you are angry, if, if someone dies and you're angry with them and you love them and you miss them, those can all coexist. Yes. That's those, very, that's a very and, important point. And that you shouldn't judge yourself or try to like make heads or tails or pick one or the other. You don't have to pick between those two. They're all... It, emotions are so complicated. Don't just be kind to yourself. Let you allow yourself to love someone and want to like punch them in the face even for what they did. Sure. Maybe not like those, but it's, it's okay to hate and people love are complex, you know, it's okay to have rage and deep longing at the same time. Yeah. And uh, I think it's uh, important to honestly, yeah, it's human. Allow yourself to feel whatever it is you feel. Um, non-violently probably, but, um, thank you for including that caveat. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> probably, probably, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, no, I've, ne- I've never gotten in a fight in my life and I hope I never will. Um, but yeah, that was something that I dealt with 
a lot after my death was just trying to reconcile everything that I was feeling until I realized I I'm I don't enjoy spending energy trying to pick one emotion over the other. Well, I think it's really mature of you to identify when uh you know these things are taxing. It's good to be like, well, this is a part that I don't need to let bring me down. I don't know. Yeah. Definitely. And I should you, any of you be in a space like that, I hope that you can allow yourself the kindness to not put that pressure on yourself. Yeah. Agreed. Cosign. I think that's um I think that's a good point to uh to call it. Let's do that. Appreciate your time, Lucas. Thank you very much. Thank yeah, you man. for having me here, man. So that was episode 20. Thanks for listening. And a big thanks to Lucas Arnold for sharing his story. Follow him everywhere. As always, if you like the show, feel free to tell people about it. Rate it on wherever you listen to it. Do some sort of clicking that will, you know, indicate that I'm reaching someone with this. And everybody who's already been listening, I really appreciate that. Stay tuned. More episodes coming in the not-too-distant future. Be good to yourself. Goodbye.